Eels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a De Beer. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of the Green and Gold Rugby Show. Um, Rugby Reg, Reg Roberts here is your host once again. I don't know how long it's been since I've been on. It could be last week. It could be last month. I'm not keeping track of these things anymore. But I do know we've got a great show for you tonight. Um, I haven't said our catch cry. What are we? We are the show getting you across the advantage line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. And we have got a couple of great guests tonight. And, and one you will all be very familiar with is our uh, beloved leader, uh, Matt Rowley. How are you, Matt? Recovered from Good. your weekend up here in Brisbane? Just about, mate. Um, although I think Shorty was in bigger bits than I was. Uh, we short, we shared a plane back uh, on Sunday morning. Um, he, I think actually he might have been... I wasn't sure if they'd refueled the plane in flight or if that was coming out of Shorty. Is this where I get to come in? Good, no, no, you, evening, you're not allowed okay. to come in until we introduce. Okay, yeah. keep, you're doing so well with this intro, Reg. Keep going. <laughs> All right. Well, in case you haven't seen, it's probably written the podcast title now, but our other special guest, and we're thrilled to have him. Uh, and can I say that one of the reasons he's here, he's obviously here because we, we, we love his input, but one of the reasons he's here is because Hugh Cavill is otherwise engaged. Oh, <laughs> no, you will get what's happening there. <laughs> Oh, Congratulations to Hugh and his d- beloved fiance this week. Great news there. But uh, Sean Maloney, the one and only, has joined us tonight. We're thrilled to have you, Sean. Thanks for coming on board. This is a real treat, man. I'm I'm thrilled to be here. And as Maddie said, it was a flight. It was a flight from hell coming back from Brisbane on uh, Sunday morning. It was a late finish. I think I think I made a thrill about four in the morning actually. So it was a uh, it was a good hit out in Brizzy after that Wallabies win. Very impressive, mate. That's great stuff. Where'd you where'd you end up? Where do you end up in Brisbane at four o'clock? Well, it was my I'm first forty five year old married man. Yeah, so, well, it was my first trip into into the valley, and I ended oh, up at a nice. place called yep. Cargo X. Actually, Quade Cooper graced us with his presence there as well. Geez, he dresses nice, does Quade Cooper? Had like a he had that lime. <laughs> Highlight a lime green yep. hoodie on underneath that jacket that he was wearing when he presented Will with that the trophy at the end of the game. Uh, and yeah, Cargo X, it's, it's just a joint set up with old shipping containers. And it was it was good fun. And then rounded it out with uh, four slices from New York Slice there in the valley. That's a lot of Brilliant. pizza. Great. Four of those is a lot of pizza. Yes, exactly. Archetypal Brisbane nine out. It's fantastic. It was an early breakfast. Um, I just wanted to recount. I just wanted to recount the f- yep. first couple of texts because I was texting Sean as he sat in his seat, and uh, so I, I opened it up with "Stop blocking the aisle," and and he came back with, "If this plane were to pitch after takeoff, I'd be in a better place." <laughs> <laughs> so it gives you an idea of the world of pain that I think I think Sean might have been in. <laughs> Anyway, I Reg, assume you got to keep you it moving. You got, you got to bring no, Nick sorry, in. Right. He's sitting there just going, "Let me in." Yeah, well, Nick's our podcast. He doesn't talk, mate. He, he's oh. on this. Show. He's just he's just listening he, to this. I just he's, sit he's back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Booth. We, we, he's on a special assignment. He comes in and with the odd um, drop kickoff podcast of his own, and and when we're uh, you know we call him up every now and again off the bench. He's our Chris Whitaker. You only see him every now and again, but he does the job. Jeez, yeah. that's tough school for Nick. That's brutal. Yeah, just sitting there on the this shit. Yeah, just <laughs> listening to three like three on a Tuesday night. 
Oh, and then listening, listening to it again as he edits it. Sending you some love down the mic. Here I am, Nico. Sorry about it. Back to you, Reg. I'll let yeah. you yeah, get Thanks going. very much, Sean. I appreciate, I appreciate that. Look, we do have our five burning questions tonight, everyone, uh, for you to join in. And let's run through them now before we get stuck into them. Question one, are we happy with that performance against the Pumas? Uh, question two, the two tests so far who have been our individual standouts as players. Question three, we play the All Blacks in about a week and a half now over in Perth. What are we going to change? What do we need to change for that All Blacks test? Question four, the Wallaroos. They've just had their uh, next squad announced. They're playing the Black Ferns in a couple of weeks' time as well, but they had a great series uh, win against Japan. Uh, what are our takeaways from that? And then question five, we're going to go around the grounds. There's plenty of happening in rugby around the place from grassroots up. Uh, and we want to just check in what everyone's uh, uh, sort of news of the day is about there too. So let's start. And, and Shawnee, I'm going to go straight to you, mate. Uh, the Wallabies, a 16 win over the Pumas, uh, sort of rebounding off their loss to South Africa where the Wallabies and the, the Pumas sort of after a really impressive albeit lost to the New Zealand All Blacks the week before. Um, what do you take from that game? What, what do you think, I guess, from the Wallaby performance and then uh, where it sort of sits us as we move forward? Well, I, I think what I took out of it more than anything was uh, it was just such relief to see them get a win on the board. And, Matty, I think you were the one, actually. It might have been one of your tweets where you said that that typically might have been a game that the Wallabies would have dropped across the last couple of years. So to, to hang in there and... Round that out against, as you as you say, Reg, uh, a fairly decent Argentinian side was uh, was super. It left us feeling pretty good, but again, I just still had so many uh, questions to ask around the performance and and what they're trying to achieve is probably the best way of putting it. Yeah, it's interesting, Matt, isn't it? I mean, if you're answering the questions, are you happy with the performance or are you happy with the outcome? I think, yeah, we're always happy to get a win, aren't we? I mean, particularly at this stage. Um, and I, I, you know, I was generally concerned about this game. I guess I think the Argies didn't play their best by any means, um, whether it's the coming down from the, the New Zealand game or missing a few key players. But uh, as far as the performance of the Wallabies themselves, it's probably, you know, there's little glimpses, but, you know, the, the, their actual performance themselves, how do you sit with it? Yeah, look, the bit that I picked up that, oh, you know, a few people have said it, like it was the one they had to win. Um, so it turned into one of those, you know, hang on no matter what type games, um, which in a way, when I'm looking, thinking back on it, considering the you know, last few years we've had with Checker, where no matter what, it's kind of, you know, run it from behind you 22. Um, and so in some ways, I actually found that a little bit refreshing that we kind of buckled, you know, knuckled yeah. down and, and, and kind of got stuck in and ground out a win, which sometimes you just got to do in test rugby, right? Um, and so rather than just kind of, you know, implode and, and, and give away five tries. So there was, there was that element to it. The other thing I really have enjoyed is just the set piece. Um, mm. So this is the second week in a row again. I mean, one has been amazing for the last two games. Um, and even this time around in the scrum. So, you know, in terms of if you're looking for positives, heading to a, into a World Cup, um, you know, against some, you know, decent test match opposition for this, you know, second match in a row. Look, I'm, you know, I'm trying hard here to pull out the positives. Um, but I think they are very decent ones. And that was where I was coming from with that tweet about in the past, you know, we would have seen something like our, you know, our, our line-out would have been totally decimated and we wouldn't have been able to get any ball back and suddenly we would have actually lost that game. So from that perspective, I thought there there's some sort of, there's some basis... Um, for, for a little bit of optimism. Uh, but the, the bit that I think most of us are still scratching our head over is, 
is is probably around the attack though, um, because anyone who was at the ground will will tell you that the, those Argies were out on their feet um, very early in the game. They didn't have much punch in attack, and even in, and, and and in D as well, um, they weren't their normal. Um, fearsome self so you would have hoped that we could have done more and that there was that nice little set piece um, you know kind of set up uh, with uh, Corabetti but and, and Leila, Leila Fano, um that then put Hodge eventually in the wing but apart from that I, I struggle to to remember a whole lot actually um, and it was a bit higgledy-piggledy all over the place and so I think that's what's probably leaving a lot of people uh, with concerns I would imagine. It, it didn't. Uh, how do I how do I put this best? There there didn't seem to be any real rhyme or reason, or it sort of was half in, half out, half in, half out in terms of that attack. So Maddie and I highlighted this one uh, just off the back of jumping off the plane, where you had that moment in the first half where the Wallabies, who defended really well, I thought. Uh, for large part to that game, Hoops forced to turn over on their 22, and then they go two passes to the right, and then uh, Sakopi tries to get his arms through contact to offload to Scotty Seo, who had two men on him yeah, anyway. Yeah, Scotty yeah. grasses it. Sakopi yeah. or someone picks it up in front. They concede the penalty, and then Argentina make it 3-3. So they do all that hard work, and then it's just not... I mean, I can see what they're trying to do, but it's just that uh, that ability to know when to do it was kind of lacking a little bit the other night, I thought. And that's not being critical of them for having a dip. It's more just it. there was a couple of times where you kind of went, oh, that doesn't, from up here, like that doesn't seem to be the right play. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I, I, look, I, thought, I remember yeah, just before that Hodge try, writing the sort of my notes for the, the, the review and saying how, the Argies looked the most dangerous. You know, they were making breaks. They were um, finding space out wide in particular. And whether it be our, our good defence, as you say, Sean, that was stopping it or, or their own, you know, dropping the ball and turnover. There's a fair few turnovers at games and, and that ball handling issues. Um, they looked most dangerous early on. And I, and I think for most of the match, I think, as you said, Matt, uh, you take out that try. There wasn't much more happening. Isaac Rodder made that great break with a beautiful line off, I think it was straight off Guinea, off the base maybe. Um, and then late in the game, Karevi did another one running the other way. But... Um, Nothing resulted in much. It's just, you know, it's that clinical nature. You know, maybe we're only two tests in the series, but there's only another two tests or three tests until the World Cup. We need to start clicking something pretty soon. It's just, it's it's not landing like yet, quite yet. And I just don't know, you know, when it will, because tell you what, we hit the get, uh, the ground running in the World Cup with uh, what Fiji and Wales first up. We don't have a lot of time to ease our way in. So we need to be, so, and that's the other thing, Matt, isn't it? I mean, in terms of combinations, I mean, one of the positives from that is that we had some good depth. We rotated a bit. You know, we still don't have probably our strongest front row with Alan Alalatoa having not played, but we've rotated a few positions there and fly halves and, and back uh, in the back line. And, you know, they've all stood up and, and played well, but it hasn't made any of the decisions clear. It hasn't sort of, no one's sort of created that their own. Maybe Curtly Beals put the biggest statement from a starting fullback position. Well, look, I mean, I think that's probably drifting into question two, which is that's usually my gig is to take us completely off track. Um, But um, just before we get there, I mean, you just you were touching it there, Reg, just around how you felt Argentina actually looked like they had, you know, the better of the attacking. And 
just looking at some of the attacking stacks, I mean, you know, the, the RG's beat um, 34 defenders versus 26 for us. Um, you know, a lot, a lot more passes, 192 versus 151, 20 offloads versus our eight. Um, but I guess one of the bigger things there was they conceded 30 turnovers to the 24 that we did, which, but that, that, the, the size of those turnovers on both sides probably says a lot about the match. Um, so yeah, it, it probably doesn't, it doesn't necessarily feel like we exactly kind of, you know, blitzed it from that perspective, but if we're, if we're going to wander into, um, you know, in, into that sort of selection area, um, yeah, there's, it's been the conversation I've been having with a number of different people is the, the number of areas that we've still got where you kind of go, geez, I don't know if we, you know, with people say three games, when I mean, there's two big games against all blacks, obviously. And then I think it's one against Samoa, um, yeah. before, yeah. before it went into the world cup and, yeah. There's some. There's still some big bloody questions. I mean, you know, who is the back three? I mean, yes, okay, maybe Beal at fullback, um, but you know, in terms of wing, um, that's still looking pretty damn sketchy. Um, Ten has been, you know, a pretty big rotation. I know a lot of people are talking about um, Leila Lefano, but I think I've got a pretty good hunch on, and I think we'll probably see it against the All Blacks about who the number one ten will be. I'd be really surprised if that's changed from Foley. In, yeah, in, right. That's interesting. In, well, let's, in, can in we dig into that? Head. Let's dig into that, Matt, a little bit. Your, your conf. Yeah. Okay. So you think, from a checker perspective, he'll stick with Foley? Oh, only, well, yeah, because well, <laughs> um, so anybody who, uh, any of our followers here who are probably outside of New South Wales will say it's because of checkers. Um, what's the word I'm trying to look for? He's biased towards uh, New South Wales. Um, you know, someone else might say, well, you know, he's been playing this guy. He played him all the way into the last World Cup and he's played him all the way in between. Um, and he'll think that Foley and he's seen Foley stand up on the world stage and put in some big, um, you know, the Iceman cometh, so to speak. And I'll be absolutely gobsmacked if that's not the way that Czech is thinking about it. Like, you know, whether you think that's right or wrong, um, I'll be really, really surprised if that's not what, what he's thinking about going in. And then... I think this, you know, him starting Leila Lofano was, yeah, rotation. And I think he's wondering who am I picking on the bench? Because whereas I would say Tamua hasn't looked as good at 10, he offers nah. probably a stronger option at 12. That's, that's, that's my read of the tea leaves. But, I mean, happy to be disagreed with. Oh, I disagree. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I think... I think Lili Afano deserves to to keep that 10 jersey for this next game. This will be interesting. And I, in fact, think that they'll probably split an all-black test each. But mm. but who gets to play them in the relatively friendly environments of Perth next weekend with a sort of sold-out house? And who has to take them on when they at Eden Park the week later? I think, do you remember the last World Cup cycle and... and you know, we rotated then. I think it was Quaid and Nick White were thrown into the uh, the All Blacks in New Zealand game. Might have even been Eden Park again um, mm. before the World Cup, and 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 it was an actual ambush on them. And you know, I don't think either of them have played a test since until Nick White the other night. Maybe Quaid a couple of couple of years ago. But I, I think they'll both split a game. I think Lily Alfano was really impressive the other night. Um, provided a little bit more than Foley did, albeit last week Foley had a had a, a back that was a, a pack that was going backwards a, a bit, fair bit. But you say Czech is stuck, stuck with Foley, you know, ever since he started to mix it up. Remember, Tamur was our ten last year uh, towards the end, and I think he was the incumbent ten by the 
by the end of the season. Um, you know, I think he's he's not going to be as stuck on folly as he has in the past, particularly with the you know the lack of combination with Folau. That was such a a big factor. Those two, they had a great combination. I know Bill will be there now, but it, you know it would be intriguing. I'd, I'd be interested to see which way they go before we sort of get ahead of ourselves. But uh, Shawnee, just your thoughts on you know that that's a fairly big question for the Wallabies. Yeah, that, no, that I, I can't imagine he'll go away from that game plan that he's obviously been working towards. And evidently, um, Bernie's a better fit for that that out the back play and looking to shift it wide all the time and that kind of thing. So with that in mind. I think uh, it'll most likely be Bernie there. I just thought it was so good to see a winger picked on the wing and doing so yeah. well on Saturday night. How nice is it seeing guys picked in the positions they play an entire Super Rugby season for in their rightful spot and going well? Marika was on fire the other night. But not only picked in the position he played all Super Rugby season, but played damn well. You know, he probably yeah. was off off the you know the pace a little bit early on but he was sensational towards the end of the season and and I agree he he's uh, back to um I guess that form he showed a couple of years ago where he was just all unstoppable tackling everything or was he man of the match yeah everything but I can't remember was he the on nah. ground Maddie was he the man of the match <laughs> should have been Marika it was, it was Willie Jenny who got to that it was Jenny as a yeah it, yeah it shouldn't have been it should have been Marika because he went he was chasing work so hard it was like a I thought it was like a, a real throwback to his League days, you know, scooting out a dummy half, yeah, getting a good yeah. uh, kick chase on and all that sort of stuff. And he has no regard, no regard for his body. So uh, it was. I just think it's nice seeing guys picked in positions that they play in all season long because why not? Um, so, yeah, there's that, that's obviously what I like to see across the wings. And then I just think it'll be uh, – I just got a feeling that it'll be Bernie at 10 for that blood is low next week. But up front, guys, and again, when we talk about guys playing in their normal positions, and it's been a while since we've had it. It's probably been since Cliffy since we've had it, a number yeah. eight. A number eight who can carry, like who can legit carry. And Issy Nicerani for the second week in a row, he was outstanding. That run he made, on, and he got it wrong because he his body height was a bit off and it ended up being a turnover because he got held up in the tackle. But he made a run. It must have been that first half where he carried two or three Argentinians yep. about 20 metres on his back. Like he, he has been excellent this last fortnight. Yeah, so this is the, we're getting into question two now, and here's my answer there too, Shawnee. I mean, we um, we we've been crying out for this type of number eight since Palu and I guess Kefri before him, and and you know we've we've all seen Izzy come through the system, and you know a little bit of Brisbane club and the NRC where he killed it for Brisbane, and then he went to the Force and he did great things over there, and then obviously the Rebels, and he was what their player of the season this year. He stepped up at every level, and this was his first chance. He always had that concern about these plays and I thought he was wonderful last week versus um, South African but I thought he was fantastic uh, on Saturday night versus the Pumas and uh, he is so, I can see him being just such a crucial player to that team in terms of balance and that back row and that forward pack and what he provides um, that, that Wallaby team in terms of go, for, uh, go forward. I thought he was spectacular so I'm, I'm wrapped for him and can't wait to see him in many more Wallaby jerseys. Um, Rails, what about you mate? What uh, yeah, no, standout yeah, players? Yeah, I have to agree with that. I think the thing that I mean, when I was off on that riff about, you know, who who's the, you know, what are the makeups? I mean, I guess we're getting slightly closer on the on the back row there because you've got to say that again, you know, deserved or not, favourite player or not, I'd be absolutely gobsmacked if it's not Michael Hooper um, starting at seven. Um, you're right. I agree with both of you guys about Nizarani putting his hand up at eight. Um, 
one or two little questionable things on the on the around the edges, um, like you know that in the first game when uh, you know he didn't did do that pick up from the base, which you'd kind of expect yeah. out of a, 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 a from an international eight, for example, um, and then the body height, which he, if there's a place he gets stuck, it's there. I mean, I guess there's there's a risk if you're a ball carrier, but um, yeah, you'd, you'd hope he'd get over that. But no, I agree with you guys. I think he's put his hand up for eight. What it leaves though is is six. Mm. Um, and I, I don't think we've we've definitely not nailed that one. We've not nailed that one for a number of years, really. Um, kind of, you know, scratching our head back to the last time we'd say, probably quite a long time ago, um, we'd say we really had a genuine um, six that wasn't a second fetcher, um, you know, starting there. So that's I think that's still an interesting one. There's a few, I mean, there's a few, few good guys around, but I don't think anyone's absolutely nailed it. Um, yeah, person... but it's interesting, man, because yeah, I mean, you, you have talked about the strength of our lineout, and I think a big factor in that is the fact that we've got, you know, that tall six there. You know, maybe Luke yeah. jo- Jones deserves a shot. He didn't do much off the bench, but I agree, Lucan hasn't, you know, solidified the position, but it's helped elsewhere. Sorry, sorry, mate, I cut you off. Who else have you got your eye on? No, 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 and I agree with you. And I think Lucan. I mean, I, I, I think if anything, um, kind of worked his way out of that, um, in, in my opinion. Um, well, I, so Mick White. Um, yeah. Come back, and I think he's yeah he's really thrown the cat amongst the pigeons there with um, a claim at a, you know a claim at nine. Like considering Guinea got man of the match and he didn't have a bad match, I still thought White kind of picked up the pace um, when he came on. I think he's spending less time over the ball. In in game one, we saw some fantastic kicking as well, which is um, really great to see. I think Brian Smith on our side has been doing a bit of analysis and talking about how much um, attack is being run off the nine. So they're playing a really, really important role. And I think he's created a, a nice headache to have as far as, because no doubt Willie Jenny is one of the best athletes at nine and one of the best athletes we've got um, in the Wallabies or, or, you know, natural athletes. But I think Nick White's brought a lot back um, from his from his stint overseas and, and, and a lot of experience with him. So yeah, I, I think he's put his hand up. Just to add to that, I watched the game with the great Sterling Mortlock on Saturday night, and in his post-game rap, he had suggested that Will, again, uh, to your point, Matt, he said that Will needed to come off the park earlier and there needed to be more white on there. So happy for Will to start, but then for for Whitey to um, come on a lot earlier because he is in such red-hot form and he does get test rugby so well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great call. He's, he's surpassed my expectations. The only one other guy I want to mention is Rory Arnold. He, he sort of goes back to that that sort of call you made, Shawnee, about picking players in position. Not that they're picking him out of position, but picking players in form. I mean, Rory's had a sensational year, and he's he's been great for the last few years. And I know he's had a few shots with the Wallabies, and I think last year or something he, he didn't quite make the most of it. But uh, he is a big part of this pack, and he's oh god, he's he's such a vital component. His size, obviously, it's key, but what he does to the mall, even his attacks, fantastic. His workload's improved. Oh, he's such a good player. It's 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 a shame we're going to be losing him at the end of the season, but I just hope we make the most of it, him for the for the rest of the Wallaby season. Well, I'm assuming he's calling the line out, is he? When he's is, is it him running it? Yeah, um, I, I don't know too because I think Roddick did for the Reds. So it could be either of them, but don't know. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, it, it, it's been functioning beautifully. So whatever, whatever, whatever they're doing, and I agree with your call though on him, uh, Reg, around you know his his work around the park. I I, I think it's been really, really good. Um, 
I mean, probably the other person who, who's then, and I, you touched on him earlier on, Reg, was um, what Beal has brought to the back line when yep. he's come on. Um, you know, especially in that first match. I mean, you know, it was pretty it was pretty pedestrian until he came on and all of a sudden we had somebody, you know, breaking through. I mean, the one thing I'd also kind of say on that, well, so we're sorry, I'll finish off on the Beal bit, which is then makes you ask the question, so how do you use him? Is he, is he let's say it's 15, but is he a starting 15? Um, because with all the quality, though, he still he just seems to be a great sort of impact player for that last 50, um, especially when there's a few gaps opening up. And so I wonder if you think about, you know, maybe a Banks um, in the opening, you know, in the opening half where it might be more territorial, the guy's got the boot, um, and he's still not, you know, still not shabby. Uh, on attack, so maybe more in set piece. So I wonder if that's kind of, you know, if, if that's an option that's sort of shaping up. But I guess the only other thing I was going to throw in, and I'm going back a little bit here, but just when I thought back through that first test is was the options that Foley brings just in, it wasn't necessarily in straight out 10 play, but just in support. Um, you know, and, you know, I think he actually scored a try, didn't he? In the, in the, in, in yeah, that first he did, test. yeah. But in, and he was just always there, like in, in, in backup and support, especially when Kurtley came on. I think that was the connection that, yeah. got, re- yeah. that, that got remade. And those two really know how to play off each other. Um, but no, yeah, so it's interesting yeah. to see how, what, what happens with Kurtley and, and, and how they might use it. Yeah, and more like Kurtley starting. And I get what you're saying, great impact player. Maybe we can get that off James O'Connor if he you know, gets back to anywhere he needs. But I just mm. think the balance of having a second playmaker out wide works, particularly when you've got... The two K trains in the centres, you know, Karevi and Kuradrani, I think it helps just having a little bit of, you know, ball and, and, and boot skills out, out wide as well. So uh, we'll see. Did anyone um, else notice um, how hard James O'Connor was warming up? Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. One of the great warm-up performances. Uh, and just to add to the atmosphere around his return to test rugby, the big screen just kept flashing him up time and time again and, and if there's one thing that just that struck me as he did his 852nd push-up, was his hair. It's just magnificent. Yeah. He is, he is a handsome 27 year old just with the most immaculate hair. Very, very true. I just, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear, you know, what the whispers are and just how reformed a man he is. It's going to be, that's going to be uh, something really, really worth watching but uh and uh, he was so eager when he got on the park as well he just wanted that ball as, as you know he would and it just didn't work it just wouldn't fall for him would it um so um not through his own fault i don't think but nothing kind of no, worked no. out and he was just yeah. so he was, but he was so desperate to get on that park it was hilarious all right well let's look forward guys we've got the all blacks in uh you know a week and a half or so um over in perth they've come off a uh you know a hard-fought win over the Pumas and then that last-minute draw against the box, which was uh, an amazing finish to win a game. What do the Wallabies have to do? You know, what are we doing now? Are we? How do we approach this, this series? I'm just interested. I mean, there's some other things that we kind of touched on off the top. There's some other things that are sort of slowly, slowly very slowly coming back to me off the back of Saturday night. Like, just getting back to... The attack, I mean, there was that period in the first half when they had guys coming back in on the angled run, just running into a wall of people. Uh, can you guys remember that? There was a there was a set of 
phases where they kept angling back yep. towards the ruck, probably start, starting outside, cut, cutting back in, um, and they were getting minced. And yep. they were isolated. And, like, if they do that, they turned it over the other night. If they do that against the All Blacks, the All Blacks will do likewise and then go pass, pass, and be down the other end of the park. So mm. I just – I don't know. I, I, again, uh, I don't know what they're trying to – effect with their game plan because it seems to it seems to be a bit of a would i be right in saying it looks a little bit complicated a little bit of a uh, mixed bag at the moment yep absolutely i don't think there's much clarity there yeah so maybe if they get some clarity around what they're trying to do and those passes start sticking then then that's that's the the one change that they need to make because as we said their line out's excellent their scrum's good and their defense the other night they muscled up really well and shut down some you know, superb attacking threats from Argentina. So maybe just the clarity is what they need, fellas. Yeah, look, it's is it clarity or like because the the thing that we've seen between the two matches is just how predictable the whole thing is. Um, you know, it's got to be the easiest attack to read in the world, um, apart from when you get the odd, um, you know, nice set piece play, which again, you know, seems to be we seem to forget about and then remember um, in every you know odd game, but. It's that kind of, you know, just, you know, hit up middle of the park sort of same way pattern, which it feels like, you know, people are being told to just trust the process and eventually the holes will sort of open up. But, you know, international Ds are just, you know, just aren't falling for it. Um, and it's just too easy. There was a couple of points in that first test, though, where was it when Hoops kind of picked up and just – and um, you know, went for just a bit, a bit of a, a pick and drive, and then a couple of guys picked up from it, and suddenly we were behind the South African defensive mm. line, which hadn't which hadn't happened for like half an hour. Mm. And it's just it's just things like that where, but, but then they just got forgotten about, and I don't think it happened for the rest of the match. And it's just things like that where you think you know you've got to change the point of attack and move people around and stuff rather than just just running into the middle of the field. Um, mm. You know, with with the odd and the only other variation on that is the drop out the back to try and get wide. Um, and it's just the same thing time and time again. That's the bit that I'm finding, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm finding a bit exasperating because I don't really understand how they think that's going to open anybody up, and especially not against the All Blacks. So um, that's got me scratching the head. Um, but balance of the team, I guess, looking forward, do you, do you change much there? You know, I'd be inclined. I mean, we talked about Lucan and that number six jersey, and I know that the line-out's going well, but I, I'm not convinced we probably need that sort of same sort of size versus All Blacks. I'd you know, always flash back to that Jack Dempsey performance for the Wallabies a couple of years when he was just unstoppable and, and provided that great sort of um, running game and aggressive game. And whether he might be an option to, to mix things up for us um, for that game, I, I think, you know, that sort of style of back rows, you can get away with the All Blacks. You obviously need to be fairly bloody mobile. One of Lucan's, I guess, um, weaknesses is just that that lateral defence sometimes gets caught out, and that's definitely something you can imagine the All Blacks uh, uh, attacking. Any of those sort of individual positional changes you think, Shawnee, or, or you know that you think we need for the All Blacks? Sorry, I'm still in the fetal position after you mentioned that we didn't need a big, tall, rangy six in the line-out against the All Blacks. Did you already forget last year when they won like eight of our own line-out throws? Line-outs, yeah, Squire, yeah, yeah, yeah. When Liam Squire took like, I mean, he took 15 on his own. Um, Fair call. So I think we, yeah, I think for that one, although now with Retallic out, that might change yeah. things from their side, but uh, I don't know. I, I like the, 
and again, like the other night, Lucan, um, he grasped a couple that 99 times out of 100 he hangs on to. Um, if he just delays that run in that first up game against the Springboks by a yard or two off Samu, he goes in and it's a, most likely a different game. Yeah. So, I don't know. Do you know what? I reckon just, I reckon say, mate, go again, go again. Yep. Like, if we if we keep pushing and pulling and pushing and pulling these bikes in and out, like, how can they themselves develop any level of confidence? So when we do roll around to the World Cup, they are good to go against Fiji. Like, I just I, I think that consistency of selection is really key, and I would be sticking with the same team for the most part for that next game against the All Blacks. Maddie, yeah, I I, I tend to agree that the the only question then is because they've done the swapping around is probably more around ten, right? So. Mm. Mm. And 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 I guess that back three, which they've moved around a little bit, um, yeah. As far as who you know, who, who is the who's the starting ten, and whoever that is, I think you, you take top team into this test, to this next test. In my opinion, um, you want to get a win. This is your best chance of it. You were touching on it, Reg. I think that was their approach um, last time round. I think that's what they mm. should do this time. And then it's probably less around selection. It's probably more around attitude. Um, yeah. You know, and it's just you just got to go in there and belt the shit out of them. It's just, it's the only way. And I, and I don't mean in a starting a brawl way. I just mean you know you, you look at both how the you know with the Sappers and the Argies both giving it their all. You've got to be able to take them on up front, um, and that's the thing that's so variable in, in this in this team that we've got is that you know every now and again you'll have a, a blinding pack performance, and then it can go and then it can go wandering, and it just looks very play by the numbers. And so that's probably the bigger thing. It's probably, you know, the selections, they're probably there and thereabouts. I agree with Shawnee. These, this team, whatever it is, needs to get to know each other um, between now and in the, in the last three games it's got. So we've probably got to start to get some consistency there. And it's more how do they pull out, you know, a mother of all um, performances because to take, a, you know, to take a win against the All Blacks as a team into the into the World Cup would be, very, very handy about now. Yeah, exactly. And it's always the way. It's that. It's the intensity, it's the clinical performance that we've been craving, and that's exactly what we need to, to pull out against the All Blacks. Whether it comes, well, it's up to the, the lads on the day, so we'll see what happens. And my other thing would be, I mean, look, last week, so maybe this Argentinian win was a good practice for that because I think what they're going to need to do is really, you know, you know, grind the hell hell out of this win. Take every th- take any points that come your way. Don't think you're going to be going for the you know the, the the hero points the whole time. Turn it into a real test match. Try and get some scoreboard pressure on them and and watch them do some some interesting stuff. There's actually yeah, there's a guy on um, Twitter called Simon Gleave. He does um, a lot of analysis and. One of the key stats he uses is uh, entries into the opposition's twenty-two. Yeah. Um, and he's he's got this great chart which has been following the All Blacks since 2015, and it shows that the, the um, opposition entries into their 22 hasn't changed. It's literally a flat line, you know, for those last four years. But it shows that the All Blacks, so their, their defence is good, um, or their you know, or their and their territory um, plays is 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 really good and has stayed consistent. But it shows that the All Blacks just literally um, their entries into the opposition's 22 kind of dropping off a cliff. Well, and or I should say very solidly declining since 2015 to a point where it's only just marginally above what the opposition is doing the last year or two, um, which is just which is asking big questions of that All Blacks attack, which might be which might just be why we're even seeing 
you know, shock horror things like Bowden Barrett being played at 15. Um, because maybe there's a little bit of creeping doubt coming into, dare I say it, does, does Steve Hansen have creeping doubt? <laughs> um, he seems a pretty confident fellow to me, but, you know, is, there might there just might be something there for us to work with if we can turn it into an arm wrestle. Oh, I love that idea, just get into a grind with them and, and see what happens because we've tried to match them for points in years yeah. previous and it hasn't worked out. And if you go back to those games where we actually have had success in terms of walking away with wins against the All Blacks like that one at Suncorp 2016 that might have even been the last one and it got rolling off the back of Hodge's intercept try and then they just they ground him they just they took him to the mountain and wrestled and and as all your listeners know and as people who've ever watched rugby or strapped a boot on know it defense is is for the most part attitude so if they can they muscle up, and we've seen them do it. They can do it uh, across Super Rugby. Uh, then, then they they are. They're a shot if they can just. I reckon just get into a grind and and see where you land from there. And if it doesn't work, then then go back to the drawing board. But we've tried to match them for for shifting the ball around and, and sort of play their solid game. I think in years previous, get into a grind and see what happens. Yep, sounds good. Look, let's move on to the next question. Uh, question four. So. Uh, while the Wallabies and All Blacks will face each other in, the, in a couple of weeks' time in Perth and in Eden Park, uh, the curtain raiser, they'll be both games will be double headers with the Wallaroos taking on the Black Ferns um, prior to each test match, which is fantastic for them. The Wallaroos themselves have just finished a two test series against Japan um, and came away with a, a two test to zero victory. Um, game up in Newcastle was uh, fairly. Um, a comfortable win. The game at North Sydney Oval, the second test, was an absolute shellacking by the Wallaroos. It was a, a, an excellent performance and a lot to take um, out of that series. Shawnee, you would have seen a bit of this. What were the your, you know, key takeaways? Yeah, I was. I actually went out, took my eight-year-old daughter out to North Sydney Oval and a bunch of other uh, young girls from around the area from the Raiders Club uh, over here at Seaforth uh, wandered up that way. So it was terrific. It was a fun night out. It was probably three and a half, four thousand people there. Good vibe, good footy, and uh, this is always such a tricky one when it comes to. Uh, women's rugby for me because I've been covering it for so long doing the sevens for such a long period of time it's not a shock to me to see how talented they are with ball in hand but for others who are new to it and there are a lot of people who are new to it they're surprised uh, it's been like this for a long long time and to see you know to see when some of those sevens go across you know the likes of Mahalia Murphy and then when she gets in and around the likes of Grace Hamilton who is the Wallaroos skipper and I would say probably uh, in your top 10 in terms of women's players in the world um, they are a good team this Wallaroos outfit and with that benefit of the two games leading up to that first Bledisloe, uh, they're playing for the Bledisloe, we'll just call it Bledisloe as well. Um, we'll call it Bledisloe. We'll call it, it's now the Bledisloe. Uh, as part of that double header, they'll, go, they'll be far improved than they were at the same time last year, that's for sure. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it, Sean? I mean, I, I watched both these games and, and thought they were fantastic and um you know, a couple of things to take out of it. Yeah, the the New Zealand, the sorry, the Newcastle game was was played in pretty dodgy conditions, very wet, um, sorry, very windy at least. Uh, Japan were really tough, particularly in the set piece as they are. Nice technical scrum. The Aussies had to play a more forward-oriented game, a bit of territory game. When they came down to North Sydney Oval, it, it seemed at least on the stream to be pretty damn good conditions, and they ran the ball and played delightfully. So it was great to see you know a bit of variation in their game plan. 
and, and both of them being very successful. What I love is the combinations. You can really see the impact of the coaching, but also probably the impact of the Super W competition coming into play now. But the, the, the combinations we're seeing, you talked about Mahali Murphy at fullback in, you know, you, you chuck her, uh, you know, the combination she's forming on the wing um, with uh, Sammy Traherne and uh, who's on the other wing there, um, uh, Laurie Kramer played that second test, which was vital because she's scored a few goals. The centres are damn exciting. Obviously, um, my favourite player, Alicia Lefauf-Casilia, is just dynamite, isn't she, Sean? I mean, oh, you watch phenomenal. her play, yeah, and she just has got time, vision, but also the ability to then make it happen. And she's, what, a teenager still? Yeah, she's still a teenager. She was... 18 when they played. She might have even been 17, Reg, when they played in that Brisbane Global 10s yeah. exhibition game. Yep. Queensland and New South Wales went at it for a couple, and she was just creasing people and then turning balls out. She's a phenomenal footballer, full stop. So she's got a number of years left in her, and she's she's quite she's not a she's not a tall center, but man, does she rock women when she hits them? She jars them real good. So they've got they've got a Decent team. I think they'll go close against New Zealand, who had their own troubles in their Super Series against France over in the US of A. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how they go next weekend. Yeah, exactly. You you mentioned um, Grace Hamilton was a skipper. She was amazing. Made meters every time she had the ball. Very well supported with the back row with Emily Chancellor, Millie Ball, our front row. Um, was great, you know, a lot of debutantes and, and impact from the bench too. You know, another of my favourite players, Eva Kapani, who's just sort of come through the seven circuit and has made her uh, Wallaroo debut off the bench in Newcastle and then started in Sydney. And she was, she's a fantastic running forward. Um, still a bit to learn in the scrum, but you know, has got a lot to offer there as well. So yeah, look, really exciting um, uh, combination by the Wallaroos. And I'm the same, Shawnee. I think, you know, naively perhaps, uh, you know, there are real chances in New Zealand. I'm at least. Look- Looking forward to the contest they'll provide them. The trajectory that they've been on across the last few years since going over and playing against New Zealand when they got absolutely smoked has been something else, the way they've come on in recent times. So that gap is a lot narrower than it has ever been before. Uh, and the other point to that, and we saw it in the under-20s too, but he was there for the Wallaroos. How good is it was to see Steve Larkham running the water? I mean, what a buzz. <laughs> you know, it, it was Will Harrison and, and Lola Lessie sort of over with the 20s, and then it was, you know, little Alf, and, and, and you could just see, you know, these players looking up to him because he's a big man himself, as he sort of would all of a sudden be there with water and just giving advice. It was just fantastic. Yeah, Grace spoke. I spoke to her the other week actually at length about it, and she reckons. Or he did the jersey preso before that first test, and says he's just one of the one of the great guys. She said, "What a guy! What a guy!" So yeah, what a guy. He's a World Cup winner, <laughs> World Cup hero. <laughs> just hanging out with the Wallaroos, exactly. doing his thing. No, they'll be they'll be fine next week. Can't wait. Yeah, awesome. Um, all right, good stuff. Look, question five is just around the grounds. I guess it's just anything that caught your eye, anything that you wanted to chat about. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, Shawnee, we talked about the Bledisley. You're, you're, you're doing a bit of writing stuff, and you've you talk, spoke about uh, Dave Pocock and where he may end up. He needs a bit of game time this week. Yeah, so that was off the back of Jimmy Tucker's article saying that they're trying to find a club for him in Sydney because everyone kicked up a stink, and I get it. Uh, who's his club down in? Uh, Benny Alexander hit me up because Poey's club in Canberra is the Owls. And the Owls yep. have got the final the final this week, and Benny A wants Poey playing with the Owls, which I understand. Yep. Uh, people in Perth want him playing club rugby over there. Same <laughs> goes with Brisbane. But what they're trying to do, and I think it's actually quite admirable, uh, they're trying to put him into a game 
where it won't affect anyone's finals hopes. And the only place that can happen is in Sydney Shoot Shield this weekend. So uh, okay. I, I, yep. I write a uh, piss-taking article um, suggesting not of the four clubs I was taking the piss out of them, but uh, just a light-hearted look at where he might land this weekend. But I'm thinking it might be, now that I... I give it more thought. It, it could potentially be Ram. And I don't know this. And when this goes to where he may have already decided, he might have been at Tuesday training already. Uh, Morgan Tirunui said that if he plays as a Ram Week, then uh, he can play for Ram Week against Argentina in that warm-up oh. game as well. So, oh, right, of course. Yeah, that, yeah. That, might, that might work out. Other clubs uh, in the running for Poey's name on the team sheet and they're singing the club song this weekend. Uh, the Western Sydney Two Blues, uh, the West Harbour Pirates, they play uni this week, so that'll be fun watching Poey run around trying to belt Nick Phipps and Jake Gordon. <laughs> and uh, there's one more. And Savos, the Mighty Rebels as well. So uh, they they would appear to be the four most likely. Everyone else is kind of in the hunt for uh, finals or could change their final positioning after this weekend in Sydney. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a bit of precedent to it, Sean, as you'd, you'd well know, with Jordan Pattaya, who's sort of making his way back from injury. His club West's up here. Uh, so the last round of preliminary season was last weekend. West had the bye, so Jordy was just making his way back. He had a few appearances from the bench, but they are keen to give him more games last week. West bye, so where does he go? So I think Checker got highly involved, and he ended up playing for Sunnybank versus... Uh, Gold Coast or Bond Uni, both teams not really in finals contention, um, but got a good hit out for a half a game of rugby and looked damn good. So yeah, it's great to see Australian rugby sort of coming together and, and doing what's good for the Wallabies. Maddie, where would you have him play this weekend if you had to choose one of those four clubs? Which is your which way were you most aligned? Well, it, it would be North, but uh, and I think North are out of, <laughs> out of, out of, out of uh, they're just just south, aren't they? Just south of the the, the top, or you think they? No, and also good. They're they're good for finals. They're they're locked and loaded. But if Poey plays with Ramwick, I mean, such is the such is the talent of the man. He could swing a game if he came on with twenty minutes mm. to play. So oh, there's sure. that to consider as well. But uh, yeah, no, so we need to find somewhere north for you. There's, I don't think there's anyone north for you, Matty. You'd have to go west. I like to see him oh, go sweet. out to Western Sydney. That's where I like to see him. Log, well, Western well, Sydney well, or at the Pirates. Well, on this subject then, Shorty, so because we might not get a chance to catch up with you before the Shoot Shield final. Obviously, they've moved it from North Sydney, and then don't get me started. Don't get me started. So, so so this is I had no idea. This was just a genuine question. Yeah, it it sounds in that case that you're pretty passionate on this one. Which is it? What you'd prefer it staying at North? North Sydney. It's it's the and I and, and I understand from some of the stuff I've heard from around the grounds around some of the issues they've had in terms of staging it there, but you just make it work. And if you can't make it work there, you take it to another club rugby ground. You keep it to what people know and what they love. That's what makes that competition what it is. And I I mean, there would have to be, would I be right in saying there would have to be, there'd have to be a, a financial reason for it, wouldn't there? there think have so, to yep. be. And, yeah. and I don't I mean, know that for sure, and I'm not I'm not throwing stones, and I'm not having a crack at anyone. But that would, for me, would be the only reason. Otherwise, like you have it at Rat Park. I mean, you could fill that place as well. Sell a full house if you sell that vision. When Channel Seven roll it out and it's chockers, it makes people want to watch it on TV. It makes people talk about it. It will get lost, in my opinion, if it goes out to that particular stadium. If you want to have it in the West, sure, find a rugby ground. Have, I don't know, Concord might not work, but like, 
do you guys get where I'm coming from with this? Yeah, like, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I, there's it's no it's just not for me. That's field, my opinion. Sort of stuff, I, it's yeah. just, I, sure, you can have your corporate boxes and all that stuff out there, but people who follow Sheet Shield don't want corporate boxes. They want beers and pies with their mates and they want to be able to get a bus home. Yeah. No, and and I, that was my sense, having gone um, along to um, the, the final there. I think it was the first one a couple of years ago, was you could just the, – the atmosphere was fantastic. And it, it just – obviously, everyone just felt like they were home. Um, and I think that's been a big part of the goodwill that's been building in the Shield over the last few years. And I do wonder if there's a, even a little bit of hubris that's kind of built up and suddenly it's like, hey, guys, let's take this to the next level. Um, you know, um, and I'm sure the, the Bankwest Stadium is probably offering them really good terms, but there's that real danger that you then kind of get the disconnect from, you know, all, all the goodwill that's kind of built up there and, you know, turned out. Because, I mean, it was just a great fun day, even if it became impossible to get a beer <laughs> and they started rationing them towards the end of the day, on the day I was there. I just, I'm a bit, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I must admit I'm, all, I'm with you on that one. I'm very surprised that that's how that, that's where they're going to. Um, and oh, I, I think there are danger signs in doing that, in, in my opinion. Um, but there we go. But just while we're talking about some of your um, your output there, mate, I understand you've you've got a podcast going as well. What happened? Yes, so, so I've, I've I dipped into that. So I've got I've only got two on the board. But the concept is, I just pick up the phone and just start mashing the pad and seeing where <laughs> I land with people. So I had to. Uh, I had Brian Habana on last week. He was he's a great Brian Habana is just one of the most genuine, decent humans you'll ever meet. So I've been lucky enough to spend quite a bit of time with Habs over the last uh couple of years. So I had him, uh who else? I had James Horwell last week as well. Big Kev. He's going well over in the UK. Again, what a terrific human James Horwell yeah. is. I miss him. Miss yeah, him a lot. He got an amazing send off, didn't he? From Harvard. Yeah. Is that right? Where's yeah, he, and then he, he, then he, he captain the Barbars. He captain the Barbars, yep. and then yep. uh, and then now James Hall was off to Cambridge to study. So he's up there to play against those those um, those dirty blokes from Oxford. They've got their big uh, <laughs> their big rivalry going, and uh, and just some other guys that like some Sky uh, Carlton Arno, Sky New Zealand commentator, and uh, some other blokes that I've got to know really well across the uh, World Seven series. So uh, I might park it this week and just grab your pod feed and throw it into mine. Is that what I do? I'll have to ask Nick if I just grab this link yeah. and toss it over into my feed. Is that how it works? Yeah, it works. I think that's no, how it works. Sure. I think I think it's it's the natural progression from sort of Habana, Horwell, Hamilton to <laughs> Rowley, Roberts. <laughs> They'll be saying the same yeah. thing, don't worry. <laughs> um, All right. No, what about you, anyway. what about you Reg? Did, did you have anything else, mate? Mate, all I want to mention is uh, it is club final starts in, in uh, Brisbane up here. Uh, it's been a great season. It continues to be. Uh, we've got the major semi-final on Sunday. Brothers are playing Jeep, so the winner of that goes straight through the grand final. Uh, that'll be a fantastic battle. Brothers got a bunch of those young Aussie under-20 players, Fraser McWright and Harry Wilson and, and, and guys like that, and Michael Wood, and then the minor semi-final after that, uh, which is the elimination final, East versus UQ. Um and East have been a bit of a surprise packet this year. And even UQ, who had a couple of shockers, I think they got done by 70 points against West one game. And everyone thought they were going to be wooden spooners, but they've been, they just keep sticking in there, UQ. So, and the other interesting spin to this is that I think this might be the last finals at Ballymore in its current sort of as we know it, because I, th- I think the renovations will, will kick in next year. So this could be quite 
quite emotional farewell to, to Ballymore as we know it. We might have get confirmation for that, but that's the rumour I'm hearing. Maybe they can bring their final bank west in Sydney next year. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, before uh, before we go, um, can I throw this one to your listeners, fellas? There's a young bloke playing with the Manly Colts. He is the equal top try scorer across Colts and grade with 22 to his name thus far. The reason I want to highlight him is because his name is Yule Yule. Y-O-O-L oh, space Y-O-O-L. He's rapid. He's rapid. He can play. He tried to play the other week with a fractured thumb. He's gutsy. Uh, do your listeners have a better name in world rugby than Yule Yule? That's like Yule Yule. That is fantastic. Yep. Can you yep. ask the question, Reg, yes. Maddie, with let's, your let's, huge let's get social networks? Back. Is Yule Yule <laughs> the best name in world rugby? I, I vote yes. I, I vote why for why why. It's why 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 for me. <laughs> Yeah, you, fantastic. You'll, well, you'll, hit you'll, be you'll be struggling to you'll be struggling to find a better one, I reckon, mate. I'm gonna send you. The, I'm gonna send you his uh, a photo of him and his and his little bio as well. Okay, good one. Good, good stuff. All right, lads. I think that'll wrap us up. Shawnee, awesome to have you. Uh, you know, a great rugby chat, great person. So we're, we're thrilled to have it's you. Been on a, board. You know what? I, I was just trying to work out the last time that I was on, Maddie, and I reckon it's probably close to four years back. So just a, a, a quick thank you for uh, all your support in my time at Fox Sports and to, to many of your, your listeners and readers as well. And uh, you guys do a great thing. And so too do your, uh, your listeners and your readers. Just keep trucking, as they say. Keep trucking. Well, I, I know you're in because I know you're in a bit of a, a, a space of change there, mate. So, watching with interest uh, the next Shawnee evolution. I'll see at the World Cup. See how we go there. Good. Sounds good, mate. All right, Matt. Thanks for your time again, mate. Um, and to Nick in the booth. Uh, thanks for to pulling us all together and getting us organised. And to all our listeners, as per usual, thanks so much for joining us. And we'll catch you next time we get together for a podcast. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Gregan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a beer. De beer.